To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But for others it is in parables that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. A most special welcome to the students of Concordia University, Irvine, playing the bells for us today. We're so glad to have you here. Thank you for the beautiful music, glorifying God. For those of you who may not be from traditional church bodies or those of you within the LCMS who may not be accustomed to uh, traditional liturgical worship and the historic lectionary, I have to give you a little context as to where we are and why we're doing what we're doing. The season of pre-Lent consists of three Sundays, the Jessima Sundays, Septuagesima, Sexagesima, and Quinquagesima. And these three Sundays, 70, 60, 50, mark very approximate times until the octave of Easter. But they form for us a season of pre-Lent, wherein we have opportunity to meditate ahead of time on those words of Jesus, where he says, not if, but when you fast, when you pray, when you give alms. So it is a time for us to prepare our Lenten disciplines and observations that we will follow. And as we march along through these Sundays, each Sunday has its own unique focus. Last Sunday, the grace of God, that the vineyard owner grants the grace not only to pay each of his workers a full day's wage, a full denarius, but he grants them also the dignity of laboring in his vineyard. This Sunday, the focus is on the word of God. And thus, the parable of the sower is selected. Now, before the sower sows any seed, what does the earth look like? It is all fruitless. It is all barren. And that must cause us to meditate, in the first place, how it is that God has confined all things under sin and under curse. We know each one of us, that is, if we take our Christianity seriously, we know each one of us our own contributions to that fruitlessness, that barrenness. We know how hard our hearts are by nature toward God. How indifferent we are toward the things of God. We know how thorny, sharp, and prickly our personalities are, how easy it is to hurt others, to live only for self, not caring about the others we might smother out. We know the barrenness and rockiness and thorniness of a world confined under sin and under curse. But the wonderful mystery of the reign of God is that he sees all of this and he does not 
despise us. He does not hate us. Though we have despised and hated him, he loves us and loves us so freely that he sends none other but his own most beloved son. That we who are barren and rocky and thorny might have within us instead the fruitfulness of new life, the fruitfulness that excels even unto a hundredfold. And so the sower, our Lord Jesus, descends to earth, not aloof from us, but as one of us, in humility, in love. And though he looks out and sees nothing but barren fruitlessness, he casts his seed, and he does so indiscriminately. Every one of Jesus' parables has at least one thing strange about it, and here is the first strange thing. You wouldn't go to Home Depot, buy a bunch of seeds, take them home and scatter some on your driveway, some on the rocks next to it, some in the weed patch in the back, and others where you intend for them to grow in the good soil. You wouldn't do that. Why? It's wasteful of that costly seed. We know in advance that that seed of the Word of God was purchased by Christ, not with gold or silver, but with his own precious blood. Costly seed indeed. And yet he casts it everywhere. He desires that all would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, some of that seed falls upon the path. There's no problem with the sower. There's no problem with the seed. Christ tells us that that word of God lands right within the hearts of those who hear it. But the hearts of these are hard. It finds no place to grow, no faith, but rather Satan comes and immediately snatches it away. Of the four kinds of hearers, this is the only group that has no faith whatsoever. Other seed is sown upon the rocky ground, really more accurately, the petra. You could think of a large stone ledge with just a little bit of soil on top, not enough for depth of root. These are those, Christ says, who hear the word of God and receive it with great joy. In zeal, up goes the green sprout. For a time they believe, but then comes a time of temptation. The word there is the word pyrosmon. It's the same word used when our Lord teaches us to pray, lead us not into temptation. We're not talking here about the temptation to have an extra chocolate bar or something like that. We're talking about the kind of temptations that come and slowly pressure us 
slowly bake us to where we begin to wither away and the faith within us dies. Persecutions, social pressures, that's what's in view here. Those external forces that cause us to wither and die. So we see how serious it is then that our Lord teaches us to pray, lead us out of such temptations, that is, deliver us from such temptations that we not lose our faith or our fruitfulness. The second group believes for a while and then falls away. So much for once saved, always saved. So much for, well, if you fell away, you never believed in the first place and other such nonsense. We see very clearly from the word of Jesus that they believed and then fell away. The third group is much like the second. The seed is scattered amongst the weeds. These two have faith. The word is received and it begins to grow. But then something happens. The thorns and thistles come up and suffocate it, crowd it out. That's what's meant by choking it, crowding it out. And so what Christ lists for us are the cares of this world, as well as the riches, as well as the pleasures. We can see this very poignantly in microcosm. The same word is used for Martha and Mary. When Martha is concerned with the cares of getting everything ready for the meal, she looks over at Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus and she gets grumpy. The cares of this life had taken her away from the word that Jesus was teaching. Again, in microcosm, I understand full well because I have the same sinful flesh as everyone else. Sunday mornings are wonderful days to mow the lawn, to do the laundry, to balance the checkbook. There's, we're busy people. There's much to do. But that's but a microcosm of how indeed the cares of this life choke out the fruitfulness of the word. What about the Plutus? What about the pleasures that come from riches? Separate from the pleasures we'll discuss in just a minute, but those things that come from riches. Well, we can see it very poignantly in that other parable that Jesus tells, where a rich man has no time for God. All his concern is, well, I've got so much wealth, I'm having a hard time managing it. Not only do I have so much wealth, but the biggest concern I have in my life is I need to build a bigger barn to contain it all. I have everything. I can eat, drink, and be merry. I'm completely satisfied, and such things end up choking out, suffocating the fruitfulness of the Word of God. Last but not least that Jesus mentions, the Greek word has as its root the word from which we get hedonism, pleasures themselves. For example, in that parable, Jesus 
tells of the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man, not only does he dress in the finest of clothes, but he feasts sumptuously every day. The pursuit of riches and the enjoyment of riches and pleasures, and in fact, you don't even have to be rich at all to say, I'm going to stay up too late on Saturday night because it's fun. I'm going to sleep in on Sunday morning because it feels good. I'm going to go to the beach. I can be in touch with God there. I'm going to go to my kids' sports activities. I get more pleasure out of those than I do from the Word of God. And so such pleasures choke out the fruitfulness. If you can't tell by the sheer amount of time that Christ himself spends on it and the amount of time that I've spent on it relative to the others, this is a pretty major concern. The fourth is the seeds that come and fall amongst the good soil. It is not only believed, but the heart that is honorable, the heart that is good, clings to that word of God. And that word of God bears abundant fruit within it. Indeed, that fruitfulness comes not immediately, but is only born with great hupomene, patience in the ESV, but very often endurance. The Christian life is so rarely a life of flashy, instantaneous fruit that makes everyone marvel, but a slow patient grind, enduring that sun, that persecution, that temptation and oppression, just enduring it, staying steadfast, not being led away by those cares, by those riches, by those pleasures that this world offers, but through patient endurance bearing much fruit. So we must, beyond any shadow of a doubt, consider these four soils. One, no faith at all. Two and three, faith that did not last unto salvation. And four, faith that through patient endurance does. Which soil would you like to be? And there is indeed here a very poignant pre-Lenten call to examine yourself and make those changes that you need to make, that you might bear much fruit. But we consider not only the soil, but also the sower and his seed. We must consider he who came precisely to give life and fruitfulness to that which in and of itself is dead and unfruitful. 
He came that we who are dead in our trespasses might be made alive now and for all eternity. And in order to do this, he gives himself for you. The righteous for the unrighteous. The sinless for the sinner. The faithful one for the faithless ones. So that when you contemplate this sower casting his reckless love, casting his word, you must see that he casts it with hands that are pierced with nails. Indeed, even the crucifix itself with those outstretched arms as if flinging seed for the life of the world. You may hate yourself, but Christ does not hate you. You may fall into despair, but Christ has never fallen into despair over you, not once. You may think to yourself, if I get into heaven, it will be by the skin of my teeth and there won't be a single worthwhile fruit that I've borne this entire life. But Christ is preparing to welcome you with those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Even when our own hearts condemn us, even when the whole world condemns us, even when Satan himself is constantly accusing us, there is one who is greater than sin, death, and the devil, Jesus Christ, your Lord. He who has begun this good work in you will indeed bring it to completion on the last day. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.